Greetings, sapiens and non-sapiens alike. Whoever you are, wherever you might be, welcome to Chance by Chance, a resource for young creators navigating the professional field. I'm your host, Chance Gilliam, and I have returned to the United States of America for now, for the time being. (laughs) During my time in Guyana, I spoke to the principal of the Georgetown International Academy, Liza Hartlin Hudson. If you enjoyed the episodes with Genevieve Bennett or Lee Peter George, you will be sure to enjoy this one. There are some similar themes, but it is a story all its own. And in this conversation, the story begins in New York City, 2001. Liza attended the Evergreen State College in Olympia, Washington for an undergrad in exercise science and went to New York for a graduation trip. She was on top of the World Trade Center on September 10th and watched the first plane fly into the first tower the next day. I think just this initial story alone makes listening to the podcast worth your while. It's a crazy story. Liza immediately joined AmeriCorps following that harrowing experience and was a reading resource teacher on a military base. After some time, she moved to Seattle, went to massage school, worked as a therapist and personal trainer, then applied to the University of Washington for a master's degree in teaching. She graduated in 2008, then applied to the Peace Corps. That's how she arrived in Guyana. From 2009 to 2011, Liza served as a literacy advisor with the Ministry of Education. Her two years were up, but she moved back to Guyana in 2012 to get married and started working in the international school as a psychology teacher and was soon promoted to curriculum coordinator. She was just recently promoted to principal of the school. She also recently gave birth to her first son, Leo, who makes an appearance in this podcast as well, providing us with a unique soundscape. It was a lot of fun. Liza was great. If you have any interest in education or travel or service in any capacity, this is a great episode for you. If you've been finding these podcasts useful, you can support it by going to iTunes, leaving a review for me, and also heading over to chancebychance.com to sign up for the newsletter on the homepage. Please enjoy my conversation with Liza Hartlin Hudson. Liza, welcome to the show. Thank you, Chance. Thanks for having me over today. I want to start by talking about one of the defining moments in your trajectory, your your life course, which is a graduation trip that you took in 2001. Do you want to tell me about where you were in... Absolutely. Well, I graduated college in 2001, and uh, my best friend and I decided to go to New York City. He had never been. And the year before, I went for my cousin's wedding, and he was just so thrilled. So we planned this trip. I have a lot of really good family and friends that are in the city, so we were able to do it in a really cheap way. We stayed in an apartment of good friends of ours, and he planned the whole itinerary. And we went for two weeks in September and had a fantastic time. And on September 10th, we went down to the southern part of Manhattan. We went to the top of the World Trade Center. We took pictures. We went to South Street Seaport. I ended up going and hanging out with my godparents, and he went to the Statue of Liberty. 
and had a great time. And on the morning of September 11th, I was supposed to fly down to see my sister for her 10th birthday. Wow. And I remember sitting at LaGuardia Airport, waiting to get on the plane and watched an airplane fly into the World Trade Center. None of us knew what was going on. We were like, are they filming a movie? What's going on? We didn't know. We boarded the plane and about 15 minutes later, the captain came on and, and made this announcement that terrorists had flew airplanes into the World Trade Center. Every flight in America was grounded and we had to evacuate the airport immediately. And all, I just remember thinking, this isn't real. Like what is going on? Walked out of the airplane, looked out the window and both towers were just on fire. And I remember this was like the beginning of the cell phone era. So I had a cell phone, but like you didn't really use it to make long distance calls. And mm -hmm. so I remember calling my mom's office on the payphone and just telling the secretary, this is what happened. Just let her know I'm safe and that I will call her later that afternoon. All of a sudden, the entire airport just started flooding with people. Like all the planes came back from the runway and people were just flooding out of the gates. And everybody was just like, what in the world? What's going on? I'm trying to watch things on TV and people are trying to like usher us out of the airport. And they had closed all the bridges and, and subways into Manhattan. So I couldn't get back into the city. Oh my God. So I just walked oh. across the street to this hotel that kind of hosted and they opened up their breakfast bar to everybody and just was feeding people. We were all watching the news. And I remember the time it took for me to get out of the airport into the hotel, the towers had fallen. And so I was watching on TV, like after the fact, the towers had fallen. And I just was like, what? Like, I mean, I was in shock because less than 24 hours ago, I had been on top of those buildings yeah. and then they just didn't exist anymore. It was shocking. So I spent pretty much the entire day there. I was able to get in touch with my mom and call my mom. And then she was able to call everybody else to let them know I was all right. And my best friend was still in the city. He was staying with another good friend of ours. Around four o'clock, the subways opened back up. And I remember like, they drove us to the subway station and I took the subway to Times Square so they could transfer to get back to where we were staying. And I, wa I got above ground and it was like that scene in Vanilla Sky where Tom Cruise is running through an empty Times Square and it was empty. There was not a single person. There was not a single car. People were skateboarding down Broadway, which is like, I don't know if you've ever been in New York City, but like, it's like the craziest place on the planet and it was empty. I could hear birds chirping hmm. and it was the craziest, like most surreal moment. We were stuck in the city. It was really just like kind of a weird, intense time to be in New York. Like it was incredible to see like how, like what a community New Yorkers were and how everybody banded together. But at the same time, it was just like heavy. And a couple of days later, my mom bought us train tickets and we took the train down to North Carolina and then eventually ended up back on the West Coast. But it was, it definitely changed the trajectory of I was planning on traveling and doing a bunch of travel in Southeast Asia and going all over. And um, I ended up getting a job with AmeriCorps, working as a literacy and reading teacher on a Air Force base. And it was kind of crazy because a lot of those kids, you know, had parents that were then sent off to Afghanistan, hmm. like immediately after it happened. Hmm. So it was kind of a fascinating thing to be in New York when it happened and then seeing the aftermath and the, what was going on. But it, it was, 
kind of what headed me towards education, I guess. Yeah. What, what was the thought process of AmeriCorps specifically? Uh, one of my best friends in Olympia had gotten a job as the supervisor and coordinator for this particular program. Mm -hmm. And he was looking for AmeriCorps volunteers and was telling me about it. And um, I had spent some time volunteering at an elementary school my senior year in college. Bless you. And I was looking for a job. I wasn't really sure what to do. I was going to travel and then decided to put that on hold for a little while. And so I jumped right in. That was how I got into it. Yeah. And I know this came sometime later, but do you feel as though that experience prepared you for the Peace Corps later on in any way? Yes, I do. But I think pretty much all life experiences are what prepare you for the Peace Corps. <laughs> I mean, you just have to be super open-minded hmm. and kind of prepared for anything and kind of walk in with no expectations. Yeah. There's got to be a level of flexibility and go with the flow. I don't think anything really prepares you for a terrorist attack. No. Um, but I do think that being open to like whatever comes your way and being open to like the changes and the messages that get sent that the universe kind of sends it in your direction every once in a while will yeah. do that. I definitely think the volunteer aspect and the the flexibility and change definitely prepared me for Peace Corps. Hmm. But I think to some extent you just nothing really does prepare you for Peace Corps <laughs> except going through it. Backtracking a little bit, what was it like growing up with your family? I know you jumped around a bit as, as a kid. Was that because of uh, your parents' profession? Yeah, so I was born on the day that my mom was supposed to graduate with her MSW from Penn. And so instead of going to graduation, she was giving birth to me. What happened, Leo? Here. My dad was getting a PhD um, in political science. And so when I was two, he got a job at Vanderbilt. And so we lived in Nashville. Um, we moved there. My brother was born while we were there. And then he ended up getting an offer at the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill wow. as a tenure position. And so when I was nine, we moved to Chapel Hill. Um, and then a year later, they got divorced, which was kind of, in hindsight, expected. But mm. at the time, was a little devastating. Um, and I was 10 when that happened. Yeah. And then... The following year, my mom got remarried. The following year, I got a new sister. And the following year, my dad got remarried. That's a lot. So, yeah, there was a lot, a lot of lot. transition and change and all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, the moving around was definitely due to my dad's university positions. Mm. Um, and then we just stayed in Chapel Hill. But I think I was the oldest of two blended families, which now is awesome. At the time, was just like way too much transition and change and happening and I think it prepared me to deal with like the changes that happen in life I think it prepared me to work with people like a diverse group of people different personalities working in large groups decision making in groups and understanding the dynamics that go on with that you know going on a family trip with six people it's like everybody's <laughs> got a different idea about what's going on and I think that prepared me both, like all of my parents. Um, my dad grew up in South America. My grandparents were movie distributors for 20th Century Fox. And so he was actually born in Lima, Peru, and they grew up all over. And my mom did a lot of traveling as a child um, and as a teenager. So I think the travel bug, going and seeing other cultures and living in different places and in general was instilled in my parents by their parents. And so, I don't know if it's like genetic or in my blood, but I definitely think there was like a nature and nurture aspect mm. to it that 
just yeah. <laughs> went on down. And I think, like, I remember when I joined the Peace Corps, everyone's like, oh, how do your family and friends feel? Like, I remember it being kind of shocking when people were like, oh, my, my, my family just doesn't get it. And I'm like, really? I was like, my parents were like, when are you going to the Peace Corps? Like, just go <laughs> ahead. I remember my mom just kept saying, apply already. You've been talking about it for years. Apply already. Just go already. And so... Like I just, to me, my family was always supportive of travel. Um, my brothers lived abroad off and on for years. And I think it's just the family culture that was supported by all of us. Yeah. So. Do you have any words for young people who, you know, have that same bug and desire for travel, but maybe feel like there's other obligations they need to tend to? I know before we started recording, we were talking about school and kind of weighing your options. I think there's a big difference between travel and Peace Corps, and I think that's why Peace Corps appealed to me so much, mm -hmm. is with travel, it's about bopping around to different places, um, spending, um, you can spend extended amount of time or you can spend long amounts of time. I know um, when I was in grad school, my best friend did like a four-month, five-month extended travel trip where she did volunteer work and language schools, and she was in a lot of different places which I think is really awesome mm -hmm. and is a really great way to like learn about cultures and to do that kind of stuff. But Peace Corps is really about integrating into a community and living with and like a local for two years mm. and working on creating sustainable projects and really living as the locals do in places that aren't like tourist locations. But yeah. like yeah. you're really going to go and live in a community and it's not going to be glamorous and it's not going to be like, it is like blackouts and bathing in a river for two years and doing your laundry for two years and you know digging pit latrines and that's where you go to the bathroom and like I mean it's a really different unglamorous way of living and really having that culture shock I mean I think it took me a full year to really feel like I was established or really kind of felt comfortable in my community and got it and understood all the nuances and all the cultural things that just don't make sense. And I've been living here for eight years and there's still times where I'm just like, oh, really? Like, oh. or there are times where I'm like, yeah, that's, that's what it is. That's how it is here. And just kind of go with the flow. Yeah. And I think the culture shock is just as bad going back to the U.S. after doing Peace Corps. It took me a year to kind of feel back to normal once I was in the U.S. But I think the decision to do Peace Corps is a serious one. And I think if people are really interested in kind of having their minds blown wide open and expanding their understanding of what makes us all so similar hmm. and knowing that our similarities are far more than differences, kind of having their minds blown open about challenges, about the difference between necessities and wants, luxuries and necessities, like those kinds of things. I think the Peace Corps is kind of that life-changing moment that really will kind of set your whole frame of mind in a different point of view and path. Exploring some of those themes, this doesn't have to be limited, although it can definitely involve elements from your time in the Peace Corps. Mm -hmm. What have you changed your mind about over the years? Like, where have your priorities shifted in oh life? Oh, my. Whatever comes to your mind. Oh, God, what have I changed? I've changed my mind about all kinds of things. Um, <laughs> I think I've changed my mind about what I wanted to be when I grew up. You know, when you're a little kid, you're like, oh, you know, and people used to ask me and I'm like, oh, I want to be an animal trainer and a doctor, right? It's like, okay. And then now, like, my secret, like, what have you always wanted to be? Like, secretly, I've always wanted to be a rock star, even though I can't sing and I don't have any musical talent. 
But I think like those kinds of things where it's like you change your mind about who your friends are as you get older. I think like as growing up, you're friends with people because they're the kids that you're around in your neighborhood or they're the mm. people that you grew up with and did stuff together in high school or, you know, mm. kind of like your default friends. And in college, I think you're put with people because they're who you live with when you're in your dorm room or they're the ones you take classes with or they're the ones you do your club stuff with. And I think as you get older and you become more established, like I remember being 25 and just kind of deciding, all right, who am I? What am I about? What do I want to... Like, it's time to, like, pull up my big girl panties and, like start being an adult and what does that mean <laughs> and I think it was my my opportunity to like look at like what are my values like what am I about and mm. am I surrounding my people who have those same values and are supporting me in that mm. or am I around people who have their own selfish reasons I remember breaking up with a lot of friends around that time because I think they were people I was friends with because I had been friends with them for so long but not because they're, they served a purpose of like what true friendship meant I established some really, really good friendships at that time with people who I am still very close with. I think you can change your mind about the professions that you're interested in. Um, you can change your mind about values. I remember trying all different types of diets. I mean, I've tried all kinds. I mean, I was vegan for a while. I have been paleo. Like, I think there's all kinds of things that you can change your mind on, on the quest for happiness, on the quest for finding meaning in the life that you live. I mean, if you told me 15 years ago, oh, you're going to be a principal at an international school in Guyana with a Guyanese husband and a child, I would have been like, pa! Like, I just would have laughed and been like, what are you talking about? I don't even... It's like, I don't know nothing about Guyana. But um, I think that's the fun of being open to experiences and being Mm -hmm. open to choices and being open to, like, to people and experiences. If I... And just sit and think about, okay, well, what led me to this? Then what led me to this? What led me to that? I mean, I could take it to September 11th or I could take it to all kinds of other people and choices and decisions and opportunities that have come my way. So, yeah, I think you can change your mind about all kinds of stuff. I know um, I majored in exercise science as an undergrad because I took a sports medicine PE class in mm-hmm. high school and thought it was the coolest thing ever fell in love with it and anatomy and physiology and kinesiology went to a total hippie college that's Um, evergreen right yeah i was actually just out there and really yeah visiting a good friend of mine named ezra he's doing computer science out there nice so in january i I spent some time in washington right on yeah Yeah. (laughs) so um and i loved the evergreen model like i mean people make fun of it all the time but i think it like if you want to look at meaningful educational experiences and the ways to present learning in a way that is learning for learning's sake and learning in a yeah. meaningful, not yeah. just because it's like, oh, we have to hit test scores, because, but like you want to re- really develop critical thinkers who can solve problems. I feel like that model is awesome. And it was, it was, it was great. I loved it. And it really set me on all kinds of weird crazy trajectories like i thought i was i tried to be all artsy fartsy and i just couldn't stand the like the film classes and the photography and i just wasn't like that but at evergreen you have an opportunity to kind of like guide your own learning and so i created a independent learning contract and um, internship for myself Hmm. with the athletic trainer at the school and worked with all the athletic teams and um, he taught me how to do like different on the job training and learned how to use different modalities, learned how to create a rehab program 
um, and did all kinds of cool stuff. And then did some hard science courses, uh, thinking <laughs> that I was going to go to med school and be a, what? Be a, uh, surgeon, like orthopedic surgeon and did exercise science courses and really loved it. Um, and then that's right. What do you think? What are you going to be when you grow up? Um, (laughs) and you know, we were September 11th happened, went and did this AmeriCorps for a year and then moved up to Seattle and got a job working at a beauty school. Hmm. Like working at a trade school. Um, and I did admissions and student records and worked at the front desk, which I don't know. Like, I feel like I'm the least glamorous human being ever. And I was working at a place where I was like, I was required to wear lipstick and mascara. And, um, and there was a massage school like across the street. And so I would do night courses. I signed up to do night courses and I used my AmeriCorps scholarship money to pay for massage school. Cool. And so I, for a year, I would work from seven to four at the beauty school. And then from six to 10, I went to school four or five times a week. And I loved massage school. It was awesome. It was like, I found my people. I found my stuff. Like I just was so into it. I was exhausted, but I just loved that opportunity. And then I worked as a massage therapist and a personal trainer for years. And then was like, all right, this has done its course. Now what I want to do. And I kind of felt like, all right, it's time to grow up and come up with something. And I thought back to my years in AmeriCorps as a teacher and was like, yeah, teaching would be awesome. (laughs) And I looked at a bunch of different programs and on a whim applied to the master's in teaching program at University of Washington and got in. And I didn't realize like what a, at the time, I just was like, oh, if I get in, I get in great. If not, then I'll just figure out the next thing. And it was like, I was... I had a 30-person cohort, and apparently there were like 300, 400 applicants. Did not realize that there were so many, but um, that was also a life-changing experience and was awesome. And um, I just, I realized I love learning and love being in school. And um, and I think those are the two things. Like, I love helping people out, whether it's like with their health and making them feel better about themselves, or I love guiding them in learning. And I feel like I should like I found my talents as a healer and as a teacher. And so as I was getting ready to graduate, the Peace Corps opportunity presented itself at a, it was this huge recruiting fair and the Peace Corps was there. And I remember the guy was like, you get an application into me by next week, I can get you into the Peace Corps. And I, and I had filled out my application within a week and went and interviewed and, I thought I was going to go somewhere in the South Pacific Islands. Yeah. And by the time ev- my whole application and medical stuff was cleared, they came back with a different offer. And I said, sure. And that was Guyana? And that was Guyana. And that's how I ended up in Guyana. Yeah. So you did your two years in the Peace Corps. But what brought you back? My husband. Yeah? Yeah. So I uh, met my husband... I got to Guyana in February of 2009, and I met my husband around October, yeah, October, November, and we started dating in December of that year, and I left with the intention of getting him a fiancé visa, we applied for the paperwork, I came back for the interview, and we got denied, and so uh, I was here for two weeks, and we tried to like we had to figure out something. Hmm. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to move back here and we're going to get married here and then we'll go through the paperwork. 
I contacted my my uh, director, my country director from Peace Corps at the time to find out if there were any positions, like any kind of response positions available, something that so that I could be back here and have a place to live and something to do. Mm-hmm. And he was the one who suggested I apply for a teaching position at the Georgetown International Academy. Yeah. And he told me all about Kelly McDesey, who's the director, who is American. She's married to a Guyanese as well. And She's been there for something like 20 years now, right? 25 years. 25 yeah. years. She's been at the school in, and in Guyana for 25 years. So... I sent in my resume, and within an hour, I got a call back saying, asking if I could come in the next day for an interview. Cool. I said, sure, no problem. I walked in. I don't really feel like it was an interview. It was just kind <laughs> of like, great, can you start in August? Here's a tour <laughs> of the school. Here's what we can offer you. And um, sure, no problem. And I even remember recruiting another friend of mine who had been in the Peace Corps to come as a music teacher, the original music teacher. That So, yeah, we, I moved back in July. Got married that August, and two weeks later started working at the school. Crazy. Yeah. And now you're the principal. And now I'm the principal. Five years later, I'm the principal. (laughs) So for those that don't have any uh, understanding of an international school, how does that differ from just the other like public schools in Guyana? What's the curriculum like? So we are actually an American overseas school, so we're sponsored by the U.S. State Department. Hmm. And our school caters to the diplomatic and expat community. In Guyana, the Guyana government school is very much like um, kind of based off of the old British system. It's very kind of old school and it has a national curriculum. <laughs> Are you playing? Did you get him? So I got your chance. Um, and our school is the only u.s accredited school in all of guyana hmm. so if people want to come when they graduate from our school they actually receive a, a u.s diploma um so students from our school when they graduate can apply to schools in the u.s um they can apply to schools in europe and canada um we go through an accreditation process every five years where we are reviewed we have to go through a review there are standards that we have to meet um, in that regard the teachers at our school have to meet a minimum requirement in order to be teachers, which isn't necessarily the case in the local Guyanese system. Yeah, A lot of our teachers are recruited from overseas. A lot of our Guyanese teachers, at minimum, have a bachelor's degree, which isn't a requirement to work in Guyanese schools. Um, and many of our Guyanese teachers are either working towards a master's degree or already have a master- U.S. master's degree. They receive professional development in the United States. So... It's a U.S. school operating in Guyana. Did you say that teachers here are accredited through the states? Like, do they take time in the U.S.? So um, some of our teachers, a lot, actually, of our teachers are either going through online programs through U.S. accredited schools. So um, they either are going through a bachelor's program, either here at the University of Guyana, they already have their bachelor's degree from the University of Guyana, or they're doing a bachelor's or master's program through online courses in the U.S. Hmm. That's both like our overseas and our, like our, so our foreign higher teachers and our local Guyanese teachers. Yeah. For older students at the school, because it's, I think, pre-K or nursery through 12th grade, right? Correct, yeah. Which, which is a, a lot to have on your plate. It is. But focusing for a moment just on the older students, like high school age, mm-hmm. what uh, what advice or 
just wisdom do you try to instill in them before they step out into wherever they head next? Well, so I actually was the psychology teacher for years. Um, this is my first year as a principal. Prior to that, I was the curriculum coordinator. And so I was a curriculum coordinator and psychology teacher. So for mm. three years, I taught psychology. And I feel like that class in particular really was able, I was able to instill a lot of life lessons yeah. <laughs> into high schoolers about problem solving, decision making, identifying talents, keeping themselves open to studying things. And I think like what I really want to instill in them is a sense of, of learning for learning's sake, not regurgitation of materials, but like how do you critically think about things? How do you relate to people who have differing opinions from you? Hmm. How do you attentively listen and take in information, process it, and then synthesize that information um, in a way that you can then take what you already know and just add to it? Um, how are you contributing to the world as opposed to just, I guess, being a consumer all the time? But like, what are you producing and what are you providing and how are you contributing in a way that's meaningful and important? And I think our entire curriculum and how we present and our vision and mission of like what we're all about supports that. But I think it's one thing to say, this is what we're doing. And it's another thing to really present that information. And I think a lot of our students are just like, oh, I got to get into college and it's all about getting straight A's. And, and it's a lot more than just getting straight A's. It's about what are your leadership skills? What are your collaboration skills? What are your problem solving skills? And giving students opportunities to use those skills and enhance those skills in areas other than just in academic ways. So um, we just had the spring musical. And I remember having a conversation with one of the leads, in fact, who wasn't even going to audition. And I remember saying, do you want to go to college? It's like, yeah. It's like, do you know that colleges really <laughs> like to see ways that you are contributing to your community and showing leadership and showing you know, public speaking skills in a way? Like those are the things that are more important and more impressive to colleges than getting high SAT scores and getting straight A's. Like mm. anybody can do that, but you come to the school, how are you going to enhance the university? What are you going to be doing? If you're involved in the arts and you're involved in theater, that's a way a production at a university is going to bring in a whole bunch of people in the community and it's going to bring more people in. it's going to bring recognition. Your involvement in something like that is going to be far more impressive and going to have far more reaching kind of encompassing things than you having a lot of kids are going to have straight A's. A lot of kids are going to have high SAT scores, but what else is going to set you apart? Are you involved in service work? What kind of service work? Um, we have a service club at at our school and a lot of kids are involved in that and do all kinds of really cool projects. Those are the, the kinds of things that also kind of instill lifelong learning and lifelong decision making and choices. And I think that's the kind of stuff where it's like down the road, academic information only gets you so far hmm. in real life. It, it's a lot more trickier and stickier than, you know, solving a math problem or analyzing a piece of literature. I yeah. think it's really a lot more about understanding the political climate, understanding global issues, understanding um, how to interact and have discussions and arguments and having your side heard and understanding and hearing other people's points of view, working to solve a problem that has a really open-ended solution and how creative can you be and how well can you collaborate with people in solving that problem um, is far more important than just the basics. Yeah. I know you just listed off a lot of ways to get yourself contributing to society. I mean, there's a lot of information right there, but do you have any 
practical recommendations for people that are maybe just looking to like spark their interests in one of those ways? I mean, for example, are there any like books that have contributed to that thought process oh for gosh. you, or oh. anything people can go out and do today to get themselves I thinking about contributing? Remember reading a book called Holy Mind by Daniel Pink? Okay, and it's all about how right brainers or like right brained um, characteristics are really going to be what moves people in the 21st century is and um, enhancing those skills hmm. within yourself are really going to kind of move you forward and get you thinking and helping out in different ways and there are things like storytelling and humor and creativity and design and each chapter at the end of each chapter has like resources and ideas to kind of get you going and I remember using that book as kind of a starting point to get me thinking about other things get me moving and kind of either enhancing creativity that I already had or thinking about things in different ways or working on things that I wasn't so good at like I'm not really good at drawing but they recommended a book and kind of practicing and going through those um, exercises to kind of get my brain thinking in ways that hadn't before and challenging myself in that way. I think that kind of was a, a spark that I really enjoyed. Um, my mother went back to school at the age of 56. Wow. Um, and got a master's in applied positive psychology. And so she's always recommending books and ideas. And Marty Seligman was one of her professors and kind of started that program. And he wrote quite a few books, like Learned Helplessness and um, Authentic Happiness. And there's a whole, like, the VIA or VIA character strengths and, like, the 24 character strengths and what are your top character strengths and taking the test and kind of getting an idea of, like, what are my strengths? How do I enhance my strengths? What are the things I'm not so great at? How does that impact kind of my life overall? That's really helped kind of put some things in perspective. But... I guess I watch a lot of TED Talks to kind <laughs> of inspire good. and spark my creativity and get me thinking about things. I like a lot of children's literature to get me thinking outside the box. Really? Uh, yeah, I feel like children's literature is far more creative and open-minded and thought-provoking, I think, than a lot of adult literature. I feel like Harry Potter, Wrinkle in Time, hmm. Holes... Uh, I think the lessons that you can learn and the things that they get kids thinking about and how they challenge kids to think about things in different ways, I think has been inspiring. But then I also think talking to people and hearing about their experiences and hearing their suggestions and their ideas, because I think ultimately if there are things that you're interested in and you're just scared to try it, it's about taking that leap. So if you've always found rock climbing fascinating, but you don't know where to start, go to a climbing gym call somebody, have a friend who's a rock climber take you climbing to kind of show you what it's about. If you are interested in doing service work or fundraising, there's so, there's like a plethora of ways to do it. You know, there's things like team and training. They train you to run a marathon and you can (coughs) raise money for the Leukemia Lymphoma Society. There's all kinds of things like that where I just think it's about asking questions and it's about just taking that first step. You might not do it well, but that's what learning is all about. Yeah. It's really just about doing it and kind of figuring out along the way and making the mistakes and being like, oops, that didn't quite work out. So maybe I got to do something different. And just kind of being open to like the 
direction the wind blows you sometimes yeah I think is but it, it is about that first step like as long as you start to do something then you're doing something you're not just doing nothing <laughs> yeah and it's and I think that first step is what scares people because I think they think they have to do it right or there's a wrong or right way to do it or um, there's too many options and really what it comes down to is like do you want to do this or do you not want to do this and mm. if you do then you got to start somewhere and just start where you are. Mm. A lot of times, I think that's the other thing is like people just are like, oh, I could do this and I could do that. And I mean, I had a really good friend in the Peace Corps who had such great ideas, but he was so crippled by his own preconceived notion of what the experience was supposed to be that he couldn't enjoy the experience for what it really was. Mm. Like, I think he thought of himself as a failure if he wasn't doing these huge grand gestures and really... I don't think that's what Peace Corps is about. I think Peace Corps is as much about you learning from your community as you coming and bringing something to the community. And so um, if you can reframe your expectations sometimes, uh, you get far more out of the experience. Right? Yes, you do. Right. (laughs) And uh, just bringing it together with a couple rapid-fire questions, what advice would you give to your 20-year-old self? Oh, my gosh. Um, Lighten up. Always good. Yeah. Always good. Tighten up. Have some fun. It's going to work out. It'll be fine. If you could go anywhere in the world, taking away any uh, realistic conception of money or time, if you could travel anywhere in the near future, where would you want to go? I want to go to, I want to go to a couple of places. Uh, Thailand has always been on my bucket list. Um, I want to go to Southeast Asia and I'd probably want to expand, expand that out to uh, Laos and Vietnam and kind of just that whole Southeast Asia yeah. kind of do a food tour and <laughs> just, uh, yeah, I just, I'm fascinated by that area. I would love to get to, um, East Africa, Tanzania, Uganda, Kenya, do some kind of nature exploration and hit up Oceania and do New Zealand and Australia. Yeah. Just, um, my parents went right before Leo was born and it was a life changing experience for both of them. And I, and I have a friend who's there now celebrating her birthday. So I just think it would be an incredible, Definitely. awesome place. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge world out there. Yeah, but, but those are my three. Like, if I have to just consolidate it, those are the, the top three. And then I'm sure it will continue to change and oh, yeah. go from there. And finally, any asks for the audience, just given everything that we've talked about today? Anything uh, you want to see in the world? Maybe we can help bring it about. Ah, anything I'd like to see in the world? Um... I ask that we all work a little bit more on attentively listening to each other. I think the reasons why we have our opinions and the way we think the way we think is based off of our own experiences. And sometimes when we stop and listen to each other, we're able to change minds a little bit more and move each other forward a bit more. I ask that people who are in positions of power and privilege recognize that um, and instead of feeling threatened by people who are trying to move their rights forward, um, that it's not about taking away our power and privilege, but it's about us welcoming them into the circle. Hmm. And I ask that people who are aware of that kind of remove some of the defensiveness and recognize and look at themselves in the mirror and, and look at how they can become advocates in a way that they kind of have to look at how they're hindering it as opposed to moving things forward so those are i think the things i ask beautiful yeah well thanks so much for the time liza thanks, and James. yeah uh, i'm That's sure i'll great. see you around school yeah 
Hey all, that's a wrap. If you've enjoyed this podcast, do me a favor, go to chancebychance.com, visit the support page, and follow the link to iTunes. Leaving a rating or review helps new listeners find the show. Another big thing is donating via Patreon, which is also on the support page at chancebychance.com. If you have the resources and you want to give any sum of money on a per-episode basis, that is the way to do it. On the homepage of chancebychance.com, there's a newsletter you can sign up for. You'll receive all new episodes and exclusive content delivered directly from me to you. But most importantly, please share these messages with your friends, your family, your enemies, anyone who you think might need them. There's a quickly growing library of wisdom at chancebychance.com forward slash podcast because of all the amazing guests that we've had on the show. And I want to make sure anyone who needs help getting their projects going, getting their dreams off the ground, has the inspiration, has the knowledge, has the resources in order to do so. Keep bouncing these messages around, and until next time, thank you for listening.